Here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. Hello everybody and welcome to a Halloween special of Press X to Reload, the quest to find the best video game to film adaptations. This time we are looking at short, short films. It is I, Nick Moore, and with me as usual are Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanas. Wayne! Good evening. Ooh, nice. And Mark! <laughs> Hello! All right, I can't keep doing that stupid voice, so I'm done with that now. Uh, but as I said, it is a special. We are looking at short films because one thing that I find interesting is, and I think you guys would agree with me to a degree, one of the big complaints that fans of video games have when they go to watch a film that's been adapted from a video game is if the fans got a hold of this, they would stay true to the material and the fans know what should be done. And it's always the studio executives that screw it up. But YouTube has all kinds of fan films, and a lot of them are video games. So let's <laughs> see how well those kind of adapt across. We looked at three uh, because there are numerous ones out there. And of course, the three we looked at today are all based on horror properties. So the first that we looked at is called Dave, if you find it on YouTube, or Arclay, A-R-K-L-A-Y. And it's actually a proof of concept, a production company was trying to get greenlit for a Resident Evil series and they were pitching it to Capcom and they put this 12 minute short film together to show the idea of a prequel series to the Raccoon City outbreak. Wayne, we'll start with you because I know you're a huge fan of Resident Evil. What did you think of the short film? I actually really liked it. I thought it was presented extremely well, even though it just jumps right in. You know, these are the characters they are already in a tense moment trying to figure out this detective moment of how did this guy die? Was it suicide? Was somebody else involved? And I found myself caught up in it. I was like, oh, okay, how are they going to figure this out? What's going on? Before you know it, it ends. And of the three that we watched, not to spoil it, it this is the only one that I was like, I need to know more. Okay. <laughs> I want to know more. Mm -hmm. I'm in. Whatever. What If they had pitched this to me, I'm in. I'm sold. Let's let's keep this vibe going. <laughs> Because it's it's it keeps I find it has a very strong Resident Evil sense of the original game, where there's a darkness to it, there's an unknown to it. We're still not really sure what the zombies or that this is really even a problem. It's all fresh, and I I think zombie movies are always best when they're fresh. You're trying to figure out are these zombies? Is this really happening? Sure. And sure. I, I think it captured it really well. And, and what was it like 10, 12 minutes or something like that, including credits? Yeah, like, 12 minutes. It, yeah. it, it did the job for me. I was hooked. I, I wanted to see more. Yeah, I actually agree a lot. If the idea of a proof of concept film is to pitch an idea that someone would be interested in seeing more of, that's exactly what I got out of this. Exactly like Wayne said, I was just as I was getting into, okay, wow, what is happening here? It ends. And I was like, no, 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 I, I need to know how does this end? Like what, what is happening next? On, and especially the cliffhanger they ended on. So what I found fascinating about it, I guess, is two things. Is one, as it is Resident Evil, 
but it's also in the zombie genre. I thought they did a really good job of uh, of slow paying to that tension build and that really that really good payoff. Like I really like that scene where he's outside and he's seeing the silhouette of somebody in the room where he found the body. Yes, and he's he's looking at that, but then he can see into one window and he's seeing the only other male officer leave and he looks back and it's just this quick three shot of silhouette in the room someone walking out the door back to the silhouette in the room and then he re-enters the uh the building and so i think this one was by or at least the, the youtuber posted it was lynn redfield and uh great job i think uh phenomenal phenomenal job and i, I would love to see more i'd like to see them actually uh get a hold of a story here and see what, what they can tell i agree this one was pretty cool so couple of things as i said it was supposed to be called arclay it was going to be based on the arclay mountains region in resident evil which is supposed to be northwest of raccoon city this is supposed to be in between resident evil 1 and 2 so it's just as the raccoon city outbreak is being to happen in raccoon city like the the zombie outbreak so no one really knows what's going on yet and you're watching it kind of unfurl with these characters uh, the website bloody disgusting managed to get a copy of the synopsis that they'd sent it with the film to well capcom who they're trying to pitch it to when detective james reinhardt is thrust into a series of bizarre homicides he unravels the city is hiding a dark conspiracy learning a fatal virus is connected to it all reinhardt discovers it's already coursing through him with time no longer on his side, he must solve the conspiracy to save his own life. Cool concept for a show. Mm-hmm. That brief synopsis makes a little bit more sense of some of the things that happen in the 12 minutes. I was really surprised by the film in that normally when you watch a short film, it's let's cram as many ideas into as short a time span as possible. They're always very fast paced and frenetic and we're going to be getting to one that is very much like that. But this one was the closest thing to a slow burn you could really do in a 10 minute span. Yeah, I mean like 80% of that show was done in one room. <laughs> yeah, I I, I, re- I agree with the slow burn piece because I think uh, if you're looking at it as a proof of concept, like you can't give it all away. You have to build... If that's the concept they were working off of, I got a little bit of that because he certainly seems sick from the first scene and that there's a lot going on and it seems personal to him. It seems like he knew the victim um, of the first body he finds. And then from there on, it's just like what is happening and what happens next. And I want I wanted to know more because he raises I in did. their quick <laughs> 10 minute scene, right? Like. You know, it's a 12 minute video, but a couple of minutes for credit. So like in a 10 minute scene, though, he he basically raises some questions that I wanted answers to because he's like, I know this guy. This is not how he would have died. He only does this at this time. He only does this when this is happening. I want to know more. And so did I. So and that's that's what I thought was good about it is because it it just in that short period of time, it literally raised questions like you captured me that quick. And that, that's hard to do. Most films can't even do yeah. that in two hours. And they did We've it in 10 minutes. <laughs> We've watched a few that don't <laughs> yeah. do such a good job of telling a narrative. So, uh, so yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Double Dragon. I'm looking at you. Stop beating up on Double Dragon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, it's interesting to me how they're able to, to kind of have that tension build over the course of this and little things like when it starts up and he looks at his time and then looks at this secondary watch that he has and takes some sort of medication. 
you know that it means something when you're watching that short film. Apparently, with this synopsis, I guess he's slowly becoming a zombie based off of this fatal virus in him. Kind of a neat idea. Yeah, that he's, I, I got the same vibe. Yeah, I assumed that was the case. Yeah, he's sick. That he's sick, but he doesn't necessarily know what's going to happen to him. And like you said, the idea of his brother, because apparently that's who the victim is, his brother lying there dead by apparent suicide, but he's not buying it. And he has a couple of suspicions as to why to see someone standing in that room through a silhouette. But the lady detective mm-hmm. that he's paired up with and the officer who's standing at the door are both clearly visible to him in other spots. And he goes in and the frankly really good special effects for his mm-hmm. undead yes. brother with like his lower jaw missing <laughs> and his nose blown off. That looked really, really gross. I was impressed yeah. by that. It had all the things I'd be looking for for exactly what it is. Proof of concept. It is not a short film unto itself. It does not have an ending. It's barely even what you'd qualify as a beginning because it's not really even like a full episode of something. And it yeah. moved at the pace mm-hmm. of a show that would be an hour to tell an episode of the story and we got 10 minutes of it. So it was like, here's what you get before the commercial break. But it would bring me back after the commercial break. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I'll be honest. I got lazy and I I missed what was on that disc at the end. I could have paused it or backed up, but I didn't. What, did I miss something on that disc he found in the barbecue? It says Grim Rasputin is dead, I think. And I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. But he seemed to. Okay. Yeah, and I thought the first, uh, and again, trying to remember this now, what it, what it said from memory, I thought it was like, I am Grim Rasputin is dead. Like there was a, there was small writing and then the big Grim Rasputin is dead, but there was something just preceding it. Maybe. And again, again, very much like we're jumping in at an early mm-hmm. point in a story, but not at the beginning of a story. It could have been a beginning, but I really didn't know what it meant. I didn't know if there was any. Would you like to know more? It was the only moment of the (laughs) short film that didn't really make a lot of sense to me in that he comes across the crime scene. His brother's dead. He makes the comment of where's the second cigar because apparently his brother never smokes on his own. And then when he goes outside so he can have a cigarette, he puts his hand on the barbecue grill. And I don't know what compels him to open it, but that's where the second cigar is. So he's right. And then inside the grill is this CD with information on it. I don't get what compelled him to open it at all. No. <laughs> it was very no. odd. Just checking how clean his barbecue was. I guess. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and again, it's not like a short film breaking moment. It's not like this awful thing. It was just the only part where I was kind of confused as to the motivation of it. Everything else makes logical sense. His interaction, mm-hmm. especially with the, I'm assuming his partner or someone he worked with, they had a really, that was really good. They had a really good interaction, and you almost get the feeling that there yeah. was some sort of a relationship at some point because when he's yep. pleading with her for help, yeah. they're so close to each other and they're just kind of like, like in yeah. each other's zone, like breathing on each other. And it's this quiet moment. If it was any other kind of film, you'd expect them to kiss, but obviously they shouldn't because there's you know the dead body in yeah. the room and whatnot. But it had that energy to it. They were a really good pairing on screen. I was mm-hmm. impressed by it. And I bought into the whole, you know, he's my brother. I know him. I know him. And then how simple somebody can just tell you the opposite and be like, oh, well, did you know this? Did you know this? Oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah. well, no, I didn't know that. Well, I didn't know that. So yeah. perception is always convoluted when you think you know something, but you don't. I like the idea that she's countering that with logic yeah. going, well, yeah. yes, it looks like maybe to you someone staged this as a suicide, but... 
He had his kids going to a fancy school. He was being sued for millions. The guy was close to going bankrupt. He has a motive to right. die. He to has a motive to kill himself. His family had left for the weekend, so he knew he'd be doing it when they're not around. You can see where she's coming yeah. from of you're you're just mm-hmm. looking for something to make this make sense to you. But it was pretty yeah. cool. This kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, this kind of stuff I was I impressed by. I hesitate to truly call it a short film in the sense of like fan short films, but it is a professional short film, right? Yeah, it's a super short film. Yeah, and it has the same level of quality you'd expect for anything that you'd find when you click on Crave or Netflix or any of that stuff. Absolutely. Everything from like the staging to the music, all really cool stuff. I was impressed by it. The jump cuts when he's kind of going to the sink and taking the water and cleaning himself off and trying to like shake the vision of his dead brother at a desk. His acting was solid. I don't recognize the guy from anything, but I do want to look him up and mm-hmm. see oh. what else he's done because he was pretty good. But the next one. So the next one that we looked at is Rot. Rot is a Silent Hill fan film, and it's done by, I don't know if you guys have ever watched them, but Corridor Crew. They're a special effects team that has a YouTube channel, and they do a lot of VFX artists reacting to good and bad CGI. They do a bunch of short films, both comedic and serious, that have really strong... Well, special effects bent, because that's what they're good at. They're usually more on the computer effects side of things than they are on the makeup side of things. Their short film is a much more condensed story. It's not a proof of concept. It's we're going to tell a story within Silent Hill. It's maybe eight and a half minutes long. I really liked this one. I was thoroughly impressed by it. Uh, I'll go into a couple of reasons why, but Mark, what did you think of it? Honestly, uh, as... The audience may not know, but as you two know, I've uh, I've had to give up on playing the uh, the horror genre. I get way <laughs> I get way 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 too into it, and uh, I don't want to have a heart attack playing a video game. Um, and I love horror movies, so I can still indulge in horror movies. This short, as uh, as brief as it was, one hundred percent gave me that creepy feel that Silent Hill games have always given yes why why i don't play them to be honest is they creep me out and if video games are so immersive which is i know why we love them i can't go there with them anymore because uh this perfectly captured a nightmare yes of a of a thing happening and um my god uh i thought it was well done i i still think it was maybe just behind the resident evil thing and I don't know why. Maybe it's just something about the quality. Maybe it's the actor. I, I don't know what it was. Maybe it wasn't that it really wanted me wanting more. I will attribute that to me being so creeped out. I was like, thank you. I've, I've, I'm creeped out enough. You've I, noped uh, out. <laughs> I can move. I can move on. I, I've noped out. Nope. No more of that. Uh, what do you think, Wayne? Uh, well, I do like my horror games. And I'm embarrassed to say that I've never really played a Silent Hill game. I mean, I know wow. of them. I've seen videos. I've... Like, I know tons about it. I've just never sat down and played through one. I don't know why. There's no answer you there. Should. So let's not even get into that. No, I'm, I, that's, I'm again, shocked. This, <laughs> um, I'm shocked. I agree. This definitely pulled off a, a great nightmare uh, feeling to it. I like the way it was filmed. It, uh, it was very chaotic, like a grounded version of Event mm-hmm. Horizon. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it, it just, yeah. just dark blood. Something's happening one moment. You're resetting, you're back, something else is happening another moment. It just felt very event horizon in such a short period of time in a car. <laughs> but yeah. I like the way it looked. I like the way it felt. 
again, Resident Evil was the only one I wanted to know more. I, I think when this was done, I was like, I, I think this did what it needed to do. Yes. And there wasn't, I didn't need to see more of it. It, it just nailed whatever it set out to do. It did it. And I was happy with it. Okay, cool. Like I said, this one out of the three, this one's my personal favorite, partially because I have played several of the Silent Hill games. So I am a pretty big fan of them. I also watched the Silent Hill, at least the first Silent Hill film. I haven't seen the second one yet. We may get to that at some point in our lives. But this one captured the psychological fear that the Silent Hill games are really good at. It's one thing to say with your Resident Evil games and zombies and all that kind of stuff, there's a horrible thing around the corner and it might bite your face off. Better be prepared to either run or shoot, one or the other. In Silent Hill, one of the terrifying things in that game is because you're going from reality to this kind of warped version of reality where all of these monsters and terrible personalized nightmares are waiting for you, you don't really know when you're flipping back and forth between them and it gets really hard to maintain your sanity. And this really captures that, the idea of this guy yeah. in the car and he's all bloody, so it looks like he's had a car accident and his phone keeps going off and every time he's going to answer it, it has these weird images and blood's filling up on it and he's hearing this voice repeating the same thing of, you know, do you remember? And when he gets out of the car, there's a woman lying there who's bleeding to death and crying. But when he flips her over, she's just a mannequin. Now he resets. And the next time his phone turns into a gun and someone's trying to kill him and then it resets. He can't get his bearings. And that's kind of how you feel throughout most of every Silent Hill game I've played. Hmm. You can never really trust your surroundings. You can't trust anything that you're experiencing. It's more than just a physical harm. It's... It's a true loss of sanity. I thought they did that amazingly well. It doesn't have the same pull as Arclay. Completely agree with that because, as you said, once this story's over, they give a pretty clear finale to this. You have, as far as I can tell, the protagonist from Silent Hill 3, she's the one trying to re revive him there because she is a nurse. I thought that was kind of a nice tie-in. Mm -hmm. And he's just mm -hmm. bleeding out in Silent Hill, but it screws with everybody so of course it's messing with him in his final moments but once it's done you could walk away from it you kind of feel like you have to because it's the only one out of the three that i was sitting up by the end because i was tense it was messing with me well, it's one of those ones that it moves so fast that i feel like every time you blink you probably miss something you almost have to watch this three or four times because yeah. even blinking i agree misses something like even in the I mean, I have to watch it again because even in the snippet on YouTube, the picture is that girl crying on the ground, but Pyramid Head is behind her. But I don't remember ever seeing Pyramid Head in that show. So I'm like, did I blink? It was something that fast. Like, how much am I actually missing? Yeah. To both of your points, like, it's deep. Like, it's short, but it's deep. They, they've, they've got a lot going on in there. And what I um, really felt about it was every reset, when he goes back in, it gets worse. Oh, yeah. And again, that, in terms of that nightmare fuel loss of sanity it, it goes from oh that looks like a really bad accident that happened to what is happening why is someone trying to kill you to did i, I just saw pyramid head oh god what, <laughs> and what he looked amazing why seeing that <laughs> and he looked amazing and it's it's again it's a brief shot it's quick but it's just like that's terrifying yeah. and if you put yourself in again if like any good horror movie slash game if you put yourself in the shoes of the of the protagonist and then you say, if I saw that, what would I do? Which is why I had to stop playing these games. You uh, crap your pants. You crap your pants. I, uh, I'm sorry. Like that, that was nightmare fuel 
terrifying and i highly mm-hmm. recommend it as a watch because it's a uh, it's brief it's like again i think eight eight nine minutes yeah and it's filmed really well yeah filmed well I, I thought they did a fantastic job it was very cool and just little touches like again flipping over that girl who's crying and begging for help and now she's a mannequin that's unnerving oh and then later on yeah, when he's yeah. hearing the woman saying do you remember and you've got what looks like the clothing of that same woman who's on the ground, but now she's holding a mannequin child and they're standing in front of them when it's suddenly night everywhere instead of daytime, because even the time of day is changing every time he blinks. It's so yeah. disorienting, but it's using all of these things that just, well, frankly, trigger us in terms of fear. Yeah. The only complaint I'd levy, and this is me being a Silent Hill nerd about these things, each one of the Silent Hill games typically will meld the types of nightmares you're dealing with to personify something that legitimately scares the protagonist of that game. So Pyramid Head really only makes sense in the second game. They could have stuck with everything else they had and just went for things that worked more for this character. But when you're doing an eight to nine minute short film, you don't have time to really build up what scares this person what brought them to this moment. So using Pyramid Head as a quick kind of Cliff Notes version of this is Silent Hill works really well. But if it was expanded to a larger thing, they'd have to find a different type of monster, so to speak, to be pursuing or hunting him. But again, that's a minor quibble. I'm just being (laughs) a dick about it. But overall, I really liked that one. Well, the one thing this absolutely does right, and it's, it's so crucial for any horror movie or video game, is sound yes and they had fantastic sound in this short film and that can that can break any type of horror game or movie because it's just you're not into it but man like the creepy whatever those sound effects were like the i can't even explain it i can't can't describe it yeah not the static like that grudge noise mixed with like the the last of us type of sound click the click the clickers or whatever like oh like yeah but it was just so clear and loud and it's just like i'd be my pants if i was in the dark (laughs) just seeing yeah like one of the coolest shots for me was he's outside daylight and the lights turn Mm. off like it's power yeah like the sun turns off like it's you're in a house in a room and the power goes out i was like that's creepy because that (laughs) it's not like a dim darker or it's moonlight it's powers out yeah like flipping a switch that that was yeah that that looked really cool yeah and i i agree with uh, the sound because when he's outside and the lights all go off and you got triangle head in the background and sound is the enemy <laughs> because when the when the radio goes off and she's like do you and it's like it's doing that squeak sound he's rushing to turn it off and as soon as he turns it off the phone rings and even I got anxious <laughs> when the phone was ringing I was like shut it off shut it off <laughs> you know but yeah, yeah I strongly recommend seeing that one now the last yeah. one out of these this one's interesting to me because I. This is one of the first (laughs) short films that I'd ever seen in terms of video game ones that are done by fans. It's called Impulse 76. It's a Left 4 Dead fan film made by Airsoft GI, who is just, as far as I understand, they're not a film company. They're they're an Airsoft gun company. But I guess they put some money behind this or helped produce it or what have you. It has almost no plot to speak of in the traditional sense of an actual narrative. It's following the cast of Left 4 Dead. You have... Three out of the four of them, because Bill is gone. Zoe's still there. Francis is still there. Uh, like So you've got... I can't remember the third guy's name. I feel terrible. But anyway... I can't remember his name. <laughs> I played more Left 4 Dead 2 than I did Left 4 Dead, so... Eh, sue me. 
but it starts off with just the three of them there trying to escape. It's really just a seven-ish minute, I think seven minute, yeah, short film of watching almost footage from the game of them going three blocks down to the street while being attacked by various zombies. But all of the little touches, if you're a fan of the game, all of the little things in terms of like the med kit or having someone yell reloading when they go to reload so that you know to cover them because in the game when you go to reload your character automatically yells that so everyone else knows to protect you seeing all the different versions of the specials the production value of it is kind of neat and to jump to the end of it it might be the most true to a video game short film i've ever witnessed because do you guys play a lot of left for dead no so no not a lot i've put in an embarrassing number of hours on the pc playing with my friends and one of the things that you start to do when you play a game that's you know been around for 10 years and you've played the same maps for a while is you start to screw with it. And the workshop on Steam, the amount of mods that people have for this game is absurd. Different weapons, different levels, and more importantly, different characters and skins. So at the end of this, mm. when Master Chief from Halo busts in to save yeah. them and Scorpion from Mortal Kombat and what was it? Marcus, yeah, Marcus from Gears of War and Andrea from Gears of War. When they all show up, Corinne's watching me. She's like, "Those aren't from Left for Dead." I'm like, yeah, but they're using a mod. It's fine. They're all just <laughs> players. This is the only one to work in not just the idea of the game in general, but to work in almost the meta commentary of the gameplay itself, which is pretty wild. Again, it is not the best in terms of storytelling. But it's maybe the most fun one out of the three, in my opinion. Uh, but what did you guys think? When this was done, the first thing I said, I turned to Christina and I said, we're on a mission to see how well video games have been adapted to film. And this, hands down, is the most video gamey <laughs> video we have watched yeah. and probably will watch <laughs> Yeah. Through the, this podcast. I don't think there's anything that's going to be more video gamey than this. Yeah, this is the Like peak. you said, it yeah. just starts off with shooting some zombies and then you get your classic jump scare and then you're reloading and then all of a sudden Master Chief comes in and Halo, uh, sorry, uh, Gears of War comes in and then Scorpion's pulling and they're laughing and reloading and it's like, I don't think, this is like a game commercial. Yeah. <laughs> like play Xbox, you know, when it's done, you're like, what the hell? Yes. Yes. I literally wrote like I literally stopped and made a mental note that like no story, but basically an Xbox commercial. And yeah. that's not a bad thing. No, it's not no. bad given our purpose and our, our sort of our, our mission statement here, because I, I agree. Like I got a real kick out of when he gets up after he's fought off a zombie and he's like, here, heal up. And he tosses him the med kit because he's the healer in the group. And you see it when he's <laughs> fighting. He's got the little healing thing on his back. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. And I didn't know about all the skins, which is why it felt even more like a, a just a commercial promoing like play Xbox, play these <laughs> exclusives that are only for Xbox. And I was like, cool, cool. Outside of uh, Mortal Kombat reference, these are kind of Xbox exclusives, it felt like. Sure. So. I uh, I did enjoy I enjoyed it like you said it was fun no story I wouldn't be like you need to watch this although um, <laughs> in a weird way from that's all something you post seen, in our group for the guys to see just hey check this out oh yeah <laughs> yeah check this out it's fun 
I would show it to everyone being like, this is fun. It follows the aesthetic of the game to an astonishing mm. degree. Everything from it starting with that kind of film grain over the actual film as it's being made. The game does that when you're starting mm. a level. The red and white med kits that are there. Every single zombie design. The boomer that explodes when you shoot him. The smoker with the long tongue. Mm. The witch. All of them play out exactly as they are in the game. It's like watching a Let's Play that's live action. It's pretty wild. And everything down to, I don't know how they found these people, but the actors they have playing the characters, they look and sound like the actual characters from Left for Dead. I was impressed by that. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, for real. I don't know if it was a matter of them finding someone who matched both, or if it was a matter of going, we'll just dub over somebody with that voice, right? Like, I don't know if Francis, okay, yeah. the biker dude, sounds like that, or if they just got someone to voice over him afterwards. But it was really satisfying as a fan of the game to see everything play out. And, and you can tell it's oh, made by it. an airsoft company who's into guns because the slow motion when they bust out the door <laughs> and Zoe's aiming at one zombie and then Francis comes from behind her and fires off like horizontal behind her at another one. The shell comes off in slow motion. Just so freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Now, my only complaint with this and it's a justified complaint. At the beginning of this entire podcast, I said Resident Evil was the only one I wanted to see more. Okay. And when I say I want to see more, I mean a full show. Sure. I, I, I'm in. I'm sold. I want to see a, a, an eight-episode series on this. This one, I wanted two more minutes because you started bringing in some <laughs> That I was yeah. like, keep it coming. Yeah. Keep it, keep surprising me. Throw yeah. more. Oh my God, Scorpion, yeah. who's next? And then it ends. You're like, no, yeah. I want more. Throw in more. <laughs> this one could but have gone I, in a I'll, couple minutes. I'll take what I get. Sure. Yeah. So I want two more minutes of just throw in more characters. I need to see more. I uh, 100% agree. It's, it, it resonated with me because there's actually a, uh, and again, it's not even much, but there's a, there's a current PS4 uh, commercial where it's just a guy in a boat. And he, he sees something in the horizon and he looks around and it's a bunch of different boats and ships all heading towards like this crazy mm -hmm. abyss. And then he like grabs the throttle and he throws it full forward. And it's like, woo! And it's like, yeah, yeah PlayStation. And I was like, I don't know why, but this gave me that same hype, that same fun of like, <laughs> yeah, let's see every single. And again, for me, I, in my head, I was like, let's see every single Xbox exclusive here. Whatever it may be as a non-Xbox player, I was like, show it <laughs> to me. You know, like I want to. Let's, I'm in. let's revel yeah, in sure. this because this is fun. Yeah. This yeah. Is they started it. Finish it. <laughs> Finish yeah, it. You started it. It's like that PlayStation commercial they had where you've got all the video game characters in the bar saluting <laughs> the player. Like it has that yeah. kind of just yeah. celebrating the video game idea. Now, I do have one so, yes. complaint. It is a small complaint, but it's a hilarious complaint. I sit through all of these things, including the credits, because there's always the possibility there's something at the end of the credits. There was nothing at the end of the credits of Impulse 76, but there was the weirdest typo uh -oh. when you're looking at the, the cast list. Scorpion is spelled Scorpion with an I-A-N, and I don't know if it's because they don't know how to spell Scorpion or if it's because they don't want to get sued for using his name. <laughs> it was really awesome. weird. It was like off-brand Scorpion. I'm not quite sure what was going Scorp on there. Scorpion. Wow. Scorpion. Discount Scorpion. Scorpion. Discount Scorpion. I wasn't quite Discount sure because everyone else was listed as far as I could tell with their proper names. I didn't see Master Chef or anything like that. Like yeah. he was named properly. Awesome. So I'm True, assuming yeah. just a typo, even though A and O were at completely opposite ends of the keyboard. But eh, whatever stops getting you sued by Ed Boon, whatever. 
Not Maybe quite it's a sure. Mexican keyboard. <laughs> but either way, really fun. And yep. with these three short films, to me, it shows that to a degree, the fans are kind of right. If you put it in the hands of not necessarily just fans like us, because I don't think I'd make a necessarily great Silent Hill film. But if you put it in the hands of someone who gives a damn about the product at all, put it in the hands of directors and special effects teams and writers who legitimately like the source material and aren't just doing it because I'm a gun for hire and this is the script you've thrown in front of me, you get a project where that shows. You can feel that that genuine appreciation of I get to play with all of the toys I enjoyed as a kid and make something really cool for other people using those toys. That's what these films feel like. They feel like cliche as it is a love letter to those games. So I really enjoyed them for that. You know, that concept that we're talking about in terms of like, Oh, if only the fans could get their hands on it, I'm mixed in terms of what that means. You know, you get something like Deadpool and it's phenomenal because they obviously love the character. They loved uh, the writing and, and they stayed very true to the source material. And then you can get something like Transformers where, you know, I think Michael Bay liked Transformers or, you know what, <laughs> maybe even Justice League where it's like, well, uh, Snyder apparently is a big fan of Superman, except he keeps telling weird, he keeps doing weird things to the character. So sure, I don't know that it's a... Uh, <laughs> a catch-all in terms of giving it to the fans but then you got people like you know the Dave Filoni's and his handling of the Clone Wars and the Mandalorian and you're like well there's that side of it so if it's more um, if it turns out more in your favor than not I mean I'm in favor of giving it to the fans you know you'll, you'll get a lemon you'll get the occasional Zack Snyder but you'll also have some Dave Filoni's in there and I'm okay with the Dave Filoni. We'll see if Snyder's really a lemon when we get our 18-hour cut of the Justice League film that's coming. I don't I don't think we need to <laughs> wait. He already made BVS. Did people forget that he made BVS? Like, I don't know. Anyway, that's not a video game, so I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts, Wayne? Uh, my final thoughts are these three little short films have captured more the feeling of their respective games more than a lot of the films oh, yeah. we have watched. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I don't mean that in a bad way in terms of some of the movies we watched are bad. They have been, but some, some have been really great, but some have been really great, but those great ones don't necessarily mean they've captured the spirit of the original game. But there's something about each of these that seem to have captured something from their source. I'm I sure I haven't played yeah. sure I haven't played the Silent Hills but I know enough about them that I this made me feel like I was watching a Silent Hill so I I it's a, it was a good fun little adventure off of the beaten path we were taking here so thanks for recommending it man. yeah yeah I know these were uh these were good because you know had these been bad at least they were short they were all good so <laughs> that's what I was yeah. banking on is at least if you guys hated these you only had to watch half an hour worth <laughs> yeah totally yeah. <laughs> And still, we're able to talk about it just like we did a two-hour film. (laughs) Yeah, and I highly recommend them. Honestly, if you get a chance, go check every single one of these out. Yeah, it's 30 minutes of your life. I agree as well. I'll likely be putting links to these inside the description to this podcast. But we do thank you again for joining us for our Halloween spook. Yeah, I'm not finishing that. Uh, Press X to reload. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) I have been Nick Moore. With me were Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanas. 
Gentlemen, thank you for having us. Good evening. We'll see you on the other side. You mean goodbye? Oh, God. You've been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athenas, Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore. Our theme music was composed by Jack Fierick and performed and realized by Sam Fierick. If you like what you've heard today, subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review. We'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email, retrogamingfool at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next stage.